The Big 12 gets two teams in the Elite Eight, but none in the Final Four. A disappointing year for Big 12 hoops overall. What does it mean to have no teams in the Big 12 in the Final Four? Is the Big 12 no longer the best conference in college basketball? We'll have all that and more on today's show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel uh, on YouTube. Please do. We're trying to get to 3,700 subs by the end of the month, so it's coming up here pretty shortly, so help us do that. Make sure you guys like the videos as well. Leave comments. We always appreciate uh, those on the channel. And uh, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. So today's show, a disappointing weekend for Big 12 basketball in what has been an absolutely insane NCAA tournament. No seed below a four is in your final four. FAU is a nine. San Diego State is a uh, five seed. We also have in there UConn, a four seed. And then Miami, an eight, I think they're an eight, right? Yeah, eight seed. Um, yeah, or five seed, rather, excuse me, five seed. Uh, a five seed there into the final four now. Uh, we just watched Miami 88 to 81 defeat Texas. Last night we had FAU beat Kansas State 79 to 76. And so just a couple things generally before we get to like the seasons that those schools had, because they had tremendous seasons. They got further than anybody else did in the conference. They deserve their flowers. Um, so people are saying, hey, the Big East, the best conference in America, right? Uh, you know, people are saying the, maybe the Big 12 is not the best conference anymore. You know, if you say, hey, the ACC, they've been just successful, maybe even for longer. Sure, that is there as well. You know, the, the people want to make those points. But here's the reality of this. We said all year long that there were no great teams. You know, Purdue had a great player. Bama had a great stretch. The Big 12 still felt like the best league all year, but maybe this is one of those years that we have to throw out, you know, like a lot of years. I mean, we had three SEC teams in the Sweet 16. None of them made the Elite Eight. We had two uh, Big 12 teams in the Elite Eight. None of them, neither of them, rather, made the Final Four. We had uh, three Big East teams, then one of them makes it through. We had an ACC team that, you know, one of them makes it through. We have a CUSA team, and we have a team in the Mountain West. And so a lot of the narratives that we've talked about have been thrown out, right? The lack of success for the Mountain West has been thrown out this year. Uh, that, that's a huge thing. The Big Ten narrative has kept on going strong. The Big 12 is like the dominant best league that for sure was going to produce a Final Four team. That got thrown out. This year as well. The SEC's great tournament run they had this year, that was kind of the big narrative heading into the Sweet 16. That one gets thrown out as well. So think about like, all right, what are we really watching here? Well, I think we're watching a sport now with some higher variance than we've seen in the past, right? A lot of teams with transfers, a lot of teams with new guys, a lot of teams, obviously, NIL is a huge factor. Miami is kind of making the NIL case right now. Nigel Pack is a huge part of that. But um, I think like the, the sport changing is a huge part of this coaching matters more than ever, but really the coaching in terms of like, how do you make the group coalesce? That could be off court stuff, but like a lot of it's on court stuff and pushing the right buttons. And that's, I mean, Jerome Tang and, and Rodney Terry are actually good examples of like how you made the team coalesce very, very well. 
I mean, I think Texas just played a few minutes of bad basketball down the stretch and Miami was all over them. Uh, and great stuff from Jim Laranega's group down towards the very end of the game. And then, you know, Dusty May's team, I mean, FAU just Jerome Tang even told them this, the togetherness, the knowledge, uh, the experience together, just, it made them a, a brilliant team to watch. And so that's, that's, you know, why we are now getting um, the final four that we are getting. But if you want to break down the case of the big 12 is no longer the best basketball conference in the country. Okay. Who is then? You have to nominate some teams. You have to give me some answers. Why is the big 12 no longer the best basketball conference in the country? They just lost two elite eight games. And look, that, that Miami game ends up being a seven point win, but that game was not a seven point game. So you have to evaluate that. All right. Why is the big 12 no longer the best basketball conference in the country if you were to make that claim and if so who is who is the best basketball conference in the country if you want to say the ACC you know because the amount of tournament success they've had well sure great but but also too like Miami getting in there I mean we had Pitt the last week of the season you know uh with a chance to win the ACC outright they lose a game and they end up being in the first four they were, they were a playing team, and a week before the tournament start, a week before the, um, the conference tournament, uh, uh, or two weeks before the conference tournament, rather, like the, the second to last week of the regular season, they had a chance to win the conference outright at home, and they didn't, you know, outright, and they didn't do it. They didn't do it, and they ended up being a play-in team. Uh, the Big East, their case, I think, is a pretty strong one, right? I think, I think if you were to make a case for a conference, it's probably the Big East conference. But the problem for them is the back part of their league is really bad. Georgetown was seven and twenty-five. DePaul was ten and twenty-three. Butler was uh, was fourteen and eighteen. And so, you know, I'm not saying it's all the way towards the end. It's just just horrible outright, you know, just awful and, and god terrible. But look at the end of the end of the Big Twelve, right? West Virginia was the third to last team, nineteen and fifteen tournament team, nine seed. Texas Tech made their push towards the end of the year. They had a 48-hour stretch where they ended up beating um, – they beat Kansas State and Texas consecutively. And Oklahoma beat the number one seed in the NCAA tournament by 30. They crushed them. They killed the number eventual number one seed in the tournament. They beat number 12 Kansas State. They beat – they won at, uh, at Hilton Coliseum this year. They beat TCU at home. I mean, they have a, they have a plethora of really good wins – and you aren't just you're not seeing that from the the back part of, of of the Big East. Now I will say the top of the Big East extremely strong, extremely strong top of the conference. But I, I think if you know your argument kind of falls apart there towards the back end. Marquette had a great year. They got ousted by Michigan State. Xavier got dusted by Texas. Creighton, I think that's a really strong team, and I think I think uh, I think San Diego State played a hell of a game to beat them. One hell of a game to beat them. UConn, they look like an absolute buzzsaw now. They went through their problems in the middle of the season. And Providence was just a great home team this year. So while you want to, you know, maybe look at some of those teams, the Big East, and I know yesterday Coach Hurley was mentioning the reasons why the Big East is now the best conference in America. Uh, I I just, you know, I, I just can't, I just can't abide by that, like with what we've seen. Some great results, some very fun results, but I don't think you can go with and say any of these conferences are now bigger than the Big 12. Because the thing is, when one of these new conferences wins it this year, uh, like 
what what is the argument after the year is over now for a team to be the best? If you go to NCAA tournament winners, right? We've got the winners in recent history for these conferences, for these leagues, right? Kansas, Baylor, UVA won it, Villanova, North Carolina. Now, here's the thing. Here's the interesting part. So if Miami wins, you could say, well, in terms of tournament success, the ACC has a case. But the problem is we don't just play tournament games, right? We do play a we play in a sport where, you know, if you look at the end of the year last year, guys, uh, Kansas played 40 games last year in total, 34 and six. Baylor the year before, but this is part of a COVID season, right? Uh, they, like this was the year they played after COVID, 28 and two. UVA 35 and three. Villanova 36, 36 and four. Carolina 33 and seven. So the problem you have there is, is that, you know, it's a 40 game season. So if you're just showing up in March, and that is very much what the ACC has been doing recently in March, then there's really not much of an argument for it. The Big East does have Villanova twice, but the coach is now gone, right? And Villanova is not that relevant anymore. They have Kevin Ollie in 2014 with that team. That's, you know, um, U- UConn as a program, kind of, a, kind of as a program went through their, their boon, their peak, their, you know, kind of back and forth. I mean, they're going to have three separate, cha- if they were to win, and they're the favorite right now for sure, they will have three championships to three separate coaches, coaches in a 13-year span, which is very, very odd. Uh, to see that happen. I, I doubt it's ever happened before. You've got Kentucky with Calipari. You know, you've got uh, Louisville in 13. I think that was still a Big East year for them. So there, there's part of the Big East argument, but that, that school's gone. So it's kind of a, a jumbled mess. I, I still say this, and I'm a Big 12 person, of course, but if you were to watch Pillar to Post, every single night in, night out, the best league in America is still the Big 12 Conference. They get it done in the tournament this year? No, it was a clear, disappointing year in in the tournament but when we hit next year when the 2023 season starts and we still have a lot to happen we got a lot of transfers obviously uh things of that nature to have you know to have go on and coaching moves all of it um you know when all of it's said and done all of it's settling and, and we move on next year at the start of next year like is anybody going to nominate a different conference to be the number one conference in the country is anybody going to nominate a separate league? Like, who are you going to put up there? The Big East? Sure. They're going to lose a lot of their players off some of these teams. UConn's lose a lot of their guys. I'm not sure about Marquette, how many guys they're going to lose. But, like, school, they're going to be, I mean, Providence just lost their coach. Some of these schools are going to lose a bunch of guys. I know the Big 12 guys do too, but the Big 12 schools have a history of reloading. Baylor, in recent memory, has reloaded, right? Uh, Kansas, in recent memory, has reloaded. Texas the Sweet 16 last year playing up you know, against an awesome team, Paolo Bancaro's Duke team, with a new coach who just had gone to Texas. Now Texas loses their coach, and I know Texas is going to leave, but still, they're, they're still a Big 12 team, right? And they lost their coach middle of the year. They made the Elite Eight. And so we'll see whoever coaches their next year, but I think Texas still is going to be a, uh, you know, going to be a, a team you have to watch out for, obviously. Um, TCU, Jamie Dixon. Once again, it comes down to the group of coaches. Bob Huggins, Hall of Famer. They're going to have a conversation about Bob Huggins' future. What other conference in America would like, this is not Jim Beheim being put out to pasture by Syracuse. Uh, Bob Huggins made a tournament this year is a hall of famer. And there is going to be a conversation. I think a rightful conversation about Bob Huggins future with the West Virginia basketball program. That is the difference between this league and other leagues, this league, the standards are just higher than other leagues. 
well, you know, th- there are questions about Porter Mosier at Oklahoma right now. He's getting another year, but there's just not a lot of success there. It's like that guy for sure is an awesome coach. We know he's an awesome coach. We've seen it multiple times. So that is the difference. This league with the coaching in this league, I think that's the one big thing. I think this year, it, it's not really, um, this season is much more of an outlier than it is the standard, right? Miami, FAU, San Diego State, and then UConn. Now, Miami's been knocking on the door. Jim Laranega is an excellent basketball coach, so I don't want to knock them at all. They have been very close, and Laranega's been knocking on the door. But it's pretty clear, like, you know, I think it's pretty clear, generally speaking, uh, that this is kind of an aberration, not, not the usual. All right, quick word from our sponsors, and we'll keep going on today's show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by Built Bar. Go to built.com today. That is built.com when you guys do. You guys use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off. You guys can also go to built.com to build, uh, vote on their Built Madness bracket. And you guys can also find Built Bars now at Sam's Club and Walmart. 13 packs at Sam's Club, four packs at Walmart. Built.com today, Sam's Club, Walmart, built.com to vote on uh, their polls that they're having. Uh, all right. So what happened to K-State? K-State ran into an awesome FAU team, right? They ran into this really strong, good collective unit that played so well together. And the story of Marquise Noel and the story of Keontae Johnson, the story of Jerome Tang came to an end. Difficult to see. Um, But really for me, it was the missed free throws and it was the turnovers. They had some costly turnovers. They had 12 of them. Now I know FAU had 22, so you're plus 10, so it's fine. But Kansas State could have taken better care of the ball in certain spots. And 12 of 16 from the line, it felt like it cost them a chance. Keontae and, and Marquise missing free throws was just weird to see. Uh, that was that was odd to see to me. And then also, Keontae Johnson just did not have a good NCAA tournament. Foul trouble, I think, got him uh, you know a couple times here. But uh, you know he had 14, or let's see, uh, 18, 13, 22, and then nine in this final game. Uh, the Kentucky game was really rough for him. Uh, you know, he was five of 14 in that game and had three fouls in that game. And that, you know, that was, they, they did a pretty good job on him. Montana State game, he was great. And then obviously against uh, against Michigan State, he was really good. But the kind of the two swing games, and I think the swing game was, you know, they were not expected to be, well, they were their underdog against Kentucky. The line closed. And Marquise had to be the guy in that game. He was great against Michigan State. And then this game, too, you know, it felt like he could have taken more advantage, but it just he played 18 minutes, right? So he plays 45 the game before, and then 39 the previous game, and 38 the, the game before that. He only played 18 the last game. So just those two games, they don't sit well with me. He's an excellent player. He's a great player, and other guys stepped up for the most part. But yesterday, just the fouls, and I actually didn't think a lot of them were like were his fault. I a couple bad calls that he got stuck on. A couple too aggressive plays, but a couple bad calls. Just got stuck as well. And those happen in games. You have to get over them. Um what a tournament for Marquise Noel. And what an absolutely brilliant tournament for Marquise Noel. He was so much fun to watch. We are all so lucky that we got to watch a guy like that play uh, game in and game out the NCAA tournament. He was a story. He was a player. He was a factor. He was a guy that everybody had to see play. And that is really cool that, that, that this league, we are in the Big 12, delivered that to us. So it was awesome to see that. And then Jerome Tang after the game going and congratulating, you know, the folks over there at FAU. Classy move. And he's not doing it for attention. Also, guys, notice the end of the, the, end, of the, the end of the game press conference. And I'm not a huge faith guy. Like, I, I grew up Christianity. but I, I don't really care, honestly, which, which way you go. I'm not somebody who's, you know, judging people who are not Christians. 
I, I don't always feel like the uh, statements of faith are always particularly strong. I never really loved Tim Tebow for the John three sixteen face paint. That's not my kind of Christianity, but I did think Jerome Tang's message of, I have to thank my Lord and savior, Jesus Christ for the game. Cause he goes, we can't just thank, thank him when things go good. And I like that. I was like, you know what? That is Christianity or not. You, you can't be the guy just giving glory to God after wins. And I appreciate that part of him. Uh, Cause I think a lot of guys, sometimes there are, you know, whether it be combat sports or, you know, normal sports, whatever it is, guys give glory to God first thing. And, and sometimes it comes off as shallow. You know, sometimes guys like John Jones, I think is a good example. One of those well-known athletes and all of kind of the, I mean, the combat sports space, he's number one. But think about a guy like that. You, you hear him thank Jesus. Think about everything he's done. You just it feels very, very hollow. You know, I know Tim Tebow is is a loved athlete, but the John three sixteen face paint on the on the face doesn't sit well with me. And then a guy you know who's selling used bats when he's in Double A, um, and then who says you know baseball is my dream. I want to chase my dream, but only I'm only I'm be on TV. That, that the kind of stuff doesn't sit well with me. Jerome Tang, sincere, a sincere person. It feels like, once again, we don't know these guys all the time. I feel like Chris Beard is a sincere guy, but from everything we see, Jerome Tang, very sincere, a very good leader. And I appreciate the things that he says, not just in the faith part of it, just from the consistency part of it. And the, the another part of this too, I just totally forgot this. Keep your head held high. He high-fived every single guy into the locker room. Keep your head, hey, and he called them out by name. Their heads were dry. Head up, head up, head up. The guy gets it. We were all lucky to have this guy in our league I'm so glad he, he picked a coach at K-State. He just seems like an awesome dude. I'm going to miss K-State in the tournament. It said they couldn't get the job done, but FAU, all credit to them. They, they win that game. Then we have the Rodney Terry, Texas story coming to an end. What a second half from Jim Laranega's Miami team. 51 points they scored. Uh, Nigel Pack, Isaiah Wong. I mean, just the Miller kid was fantastic. Uh, you know, Poplar had a great game. I mean, every single one of their guys uh, in the starting unit scored at least double digits. Omir was four of six, Poplar six of seven, Pack six of 12, Wong five of 12, and then Miller was seven for seven and 13 for 13 from the free throw line. And so they have all these kids from Middlesburg, uh, Middlesburg, Virginia, by the way, G, uh, George Mason transfer. You know, he's able to come in there and just have the impact that he does. And look, these two teams, guys, are a lot like each other. Miller is a senior. Wong uh, is a junior, but he has been playing college basketball for four years. Nigel Pack, a guy that we all know very, very well. Technically a sophomore, but this is his third year, and he played a ton at Kansas State. Poplar, a guy who is a uh, technical sophomore. He's actually in his, his second year for him. And then Omir, you get another guy like that, a sophomore, but it's his third year, right? So they got, a, and he's from Arkansas State. So they got a bunch of guys who have played a lot of basketball, despite the fact their classifications might be, you know, uh, whatever they are. But they got a bunch of guys who played a lot of years, you know, and off the bench, they're bringing guys who are juniors with, with four years of experience. Uh, you know, they've, they've, they've got a very, a, a team that's got a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of talent, a lot of ability, a lot of games played. And it's kind of just the right time. And Jim Laranega at 72 is a fantastic basketball coach. Fantastic. That is a football school, whatever you want to say. I know he's using NIL, well, but like you got a coach. A lot of schools got players at NIL. You got a coach. 
And um, Isaiah Wong has disappeared from some games. Nigel Pack is kind of is what he is. He's a hot, he's a streaky shooter. But he has gotten this team to play really good basketball. And after that Duke game, I think earlier this year, a lot of folks felt like this Miami team could be dangerous. They put the entire thing together in March. You have to give him credit in this game. For Texas, some decision-making down the stretch that cost them. Some turnovers down the stretch that cost them. I will say, in a tie game with a minute left, that foul on Brock Cunningham, that was not the right call. He is not turned around to face Omir Foz. You didn't see it. He backs into Omir on a box out. And because Omir is in the air, Cunningham gets the foul because Omir goes over the top of him. To me, you can't call that. Uh, to me, he's doing the right thing. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Feel a guy is in the air and then stop boxing out? He had position before. He began to box out. When Omir jumps, in my opinion, is not his problem. So to me, he's in legal position. He does the box out. And while Omir goes over the top, and I'm not saying it should be a foul, but if you're going to call a foul on somebody, that should be a foul on Omir. And I don't know what the broadcast is talking about. Well, you know, he got under him. Yeah, but he can't see that. He's in a good position. He's doing what you're taught to do, put a body on, and he's just back, and he's moving his feet. He's not sticking his butt out. He's moving backwards with his feet, which you're supposed to do when you box out. It's, it's not like a jump shooter. You know, I know there is an emphasis on letting kids land, but if you're in legal position like that, nine times out of 10, they're going to call... And you told him if you're, you know, you're supposed to, you know, hey, I'm clearing space right now. You know, it, well, you're supposed to just stay stationary. Guys can get around you that way. And I was, I was always told to move your feet while you were boxing out, not just stay stationary. Sure, I mean, like honestly, you know, some people move their feet better; it's easier to explode up. But like, you know, you're not supposed to be like, all right, I'm getting down now. I'm going to go straight up now to get the rebound. No, you move. You, you move your body because you want to get a feel for where they are, and you keep them. Now, if you hook somebody, it's different. But that position to me. I thought he was in the right spot and made the right play. I really didn't like that call. Tie game flips the other way, but but Texas execution down the stretch, 14 turnovers this game was not great. They they shot 50% from the floor, 40% from three, and then 30, 73 from the line, but just not good enough down the stretch in this game uh, to win. And um, they the one thing is, though, they they clearly missed Dylan DeSue. That was a huge part of this. They clearly missed Dylan DeSue. Uh, Rodney Terry should be the head coach. I, you know, it sounds like he might get the job anyway. I know he doesn't have it yet. He might get the job. We'll see what happens, but I think he should. Um, uh, so yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, one more word from our sponsors. We'll get out of here. Today's locked on big 12 podcast is, or, uh, yeah, locked on big 12, sorry. Uh, brought to you all by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on today. FanDuel.com slash locked on help you guys out, get you guys uh, insurance on your first bet today. Once again, fandle.com slash locked on. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Make sure you guys like the show, subscribe to the show on YouTube. The next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.